have the privilege of joining you once again from my home and I'm here on the back porch and we have just taken a safe precaution as our daughter is recovering from the flu and we want to just show respect and love for those that I serve with and so I'm meeting here at the home. I've had uh, the unique opportunity as you have uh, to be at home and worship together Although we are not bodily together in public, yet we are united together still in Christ Jesus. And I just want to take a moment to say thank you uh, to our pastors and our staff um, who have made this possible, uh, that I could be a part and just love you guys dearly. They have worked hard behind the scenes and been very creative in how we could pipe in this video and it be uh, seamless. And so thank you. I love you guys. And Today has been very special. It's, it's created some opportunities that maybe we would not have taken before or really thought through before. Um, one of those, Pastor Will, was able to meet uh, with his neighbors today as they showed social distancing but gathered together and they prayed and read scripture and he gave a message and just what a wonderful opportunity that was and I know that there are going to be many more opportunities like this today and in the days to come uh, for us to continue to share Christ Jesus with those around us. Uh, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Uh, maybe you believe this wholeheartedly. You would say this is a fact, but there are many who would say it's fiction. It's a fiction story, that which Pastor Joby read to us from Matthew 28 a moment ago. They would hear that and go, yeah, but if only it were true. But that's why we celebrate Easter. That's why we take joy in the resurrection of Christ, because it is indeed true. Christ is risen. But the question today for all of you who are watching and joining us, is it fact or is it fiction? Because there are many who may not observe Easter as we do as Christians, but they do watch Maybe they would have gone to a church house today if we would have met together publicly. And, and you may be joining us here online. And you're intrigued. You're interested. You're just not convinced that Jesus has risen from the grave. And I hope that God so does a work in your heart today that you will be most convinced after us meeting together around the word of God. Uh, but fact or fiction. And this is really what Paul addresses in 1 Corinthians 15. So if we were to take Matthew 28 and then... Later, a time would come when Paul would address the church where the struggle was, what happens to our loved ones when they die? Will they indeed rise from the grave? And there was a false teaching that was going around saying, no, they will not receive a resurrection. Paul addresses it directly. And so if you will, join me in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 12. And as has been our practice for years and will continue it if you have a pew Bible at home. And some of you do. Some of you took that as a gift um, months ago and you have it in your home. You can turn with us, page 961. But 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and I'm just going to read different sections of the passage as I go through the message today. And so join me in reading uh, in Matthew or 1 Corinthians 15. Starting in verse 12, we'll go through 19. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there's no resurrection of the dead? 
But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. And your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Paul says, if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. Why does he put these two together? Because Christ is our evidence. Christ rising from the grave and there being an empty tomb. That is evidence that what he said he would do, he accomplished. When he said, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up again. You know, there are differing opinions as to where the empty tomb of Jesus exists today. But this was not so in early mid to or earlier mid first century. In Matthew 28, we read of the account of the soldiers going to the chief priest and telling them that the tomb was empty. And they didn't know how to explain it other than Jesus had risen, he was gone. So the chief priests crafted a plan and they told the soldiers, we want you to tell a lie. And so they paid them. They paid them off with money. Just as they paid Judas Iscariot, and he realized it wasn't enough to portray Jesus. These men are paid to spread a lie. They would say that the disciples stole the body, which means that this would discredit their power and their strength as soldiers. This would ruin their testimony, but hey, it's going to be okay. You'll have money to numb all of that embarrassment and exposure. It's the stolen body theory, which people even hold to today. They believe that the disciples actually came and took the body of Jesus. But why would Jesus go through all of this, proclaim that he is the son of God, and then die, and nothing else happen? It would be ludicrous. It would be a lunatic. And yet, we know that this is not the case, but this is what the chief priest wanted the people to know. Hey, he's not who he says he is. Yeah, he said, destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it up. But that's, that's not what happened. What really happened is, and insert the lie, whatever it may be. You see, God is the father of truth. Whereas Satan is the father of lies. John 8, 44, you are of your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. So as Satan is the father of lies, so these chief priests who are supposed to be godly men foster a lie. Instead of believing in the resurrection, they created a lie. 
basically saying we don't need a resurrection. You see, this is the thinking of the first Adam, that he knows more than God. He can reach for the fruit, which he was commanded not to eat of, and he can partake of it to become his own God. These men refuse to believe in the humble servant, Jesus Christ. And so with the first, uh, with the thinking of the first Adam, they created a lie, which leads to death and nothing more. End of story. And that's quite depressing, quite depressing in today's time when we're facing this virus and we're all in our individual homes, when we're struggling with our jobs and struggling with our health. We need hope. We need to know that there's more than this. And indeed there is, but not if we believe in a lie. Verse 14, we see that if the resurrection of Christ is fiction, then everything we do is in vain. Everything, meaning our preaching, our teaching, our praying, our living, our faith is in vain. The word vain means hopeless or meaningless. Our faith hinges on an empty tomb. And why is it empty? Because Christ rose in victory. But if this is not true, then Paul addresses it in verse 32 of chapter 15. Let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. That's a passage from Isaiah 22 that Paul's quoting. If, if this isn't true, if Christ didn't rise from the grave, then you know what? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Let us numb ourselves to the reality of death. The death is real, that death is certain, that it will happen for all of us. Let us not think about it. Now, excessive eating and drinking is one way to numb ourselves to the reality of death. But there are many others. Um, and it, Excessive nature to uh, entertainment, to comfort, to pleasure. These can all numb us to the reality of death, uh, where we can be excessive about uh, someone else, putting all of our focus on the life of another person, the life of our kids. Although our kids are precious, we could put every bit of focus on them, and yet we forget that all of us at one point here on this present earth, We'll face death. And so we numb ourselves to the reality of death if, if Christ hasn't risen from the grave. Or we go about it by saying, let us not even think about the afterlife right now. And maybe that's where you are. You don't even want to think about what life is like after this present earth. If there's good news to come, then it can wait, is your thinking. There's an illustration here, and I'll give you that uh, in the olden days when we could travel. Remember that? Not so long ago. If you were to go on vacation, whether it was halfway uh, around the world or across the country, or whether it was just down to the beach, you would make plans. You would have reservations for a place to stay. Maybe you'd have an itinerary of things that you would do. And some of you would say, no, 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 I, I, don't, I don't have an itinerary when I go on vacation. It's just to rest and to enjoy. And that's nice. Uh, but you at least probably have a reservation of somewhere to stay. Why? Because you don't want to get there and not have a place to stay. You make preparations for your vacation. And, and that's expected, right? We, we all know that. 
if, if that's expected of our vacation, then should that not be the approach we take for our eternity? When it comes to where we'll be after this life on this earth, when we die, then what is next? You see, many take the approach of saying, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm not really going to think about it right now. I'll just let it all work itself out when we get there. I'm, I'm sure I'll have a reservation. It'll be good. A beachfront property. I'm, I'm, I'm most certain. I mean, I'm, I'm a pretty good person. Like everything's going to be okay. I don't need to think about that right now. I'll think about that when the time comes. But the trouble with that is if that's you, if that's where you are right now, it will be too late if you wait till after this life. And this is why Jesus said he is the only way to the Father. And this is why he rose from the grave, because he is making it possible, because although we die, yet we shall live. But if we trust in the risen Christ as a fact, as a true story. You see, the soldiers took money to numb themselves to the reality of Christ, that Christ has indeed risen. Uh, But understand this, money runs out. Material things run out. Our lives here on this earth will eventually run out, whether it be through a virus, whether it be through a natural catastrophe, whether it be that we just live out our days and our heart beats no more. Money, our life, material things, they run out. These soldiers needed to understand that, that they could receive the money and tell a lie, but that was going to run dry. But eternal life lasts forever. But so does eternal death. And all of those who embrace the lie, who would say that this story is fiction, will receive an eternal death that will last forever. And it will never end. And it will be a place of torment. It will be a place of pain. It will be a place of darkness and separation. And there will be no hope in that eternal death. But here is the good news, and it's good news for today. It's it's for now that you would trust in the risen Christ. For if the resurrection is just a crazy fiction story, then not only is our faith in vain, but we Christians are false representations of God. Because God raised Christ is what we say, which means faith is futile. It's empty. It's fruitless. Sin still reigns over everyone. We're held captive by sin. We're in bondage to sin. We don't make our own decisions. We're, we're led by the persuasion, by the power of sin. And, and sin is a harsh master over us. Uh, we are perished goods. We have a short self life, shelf life. Here today, gone tomorrow. One of my favorite songs, All Glory Be to Christ. To you who boast tomorrow's gain, tell me what is your life. A mist that vanishes at dawn. All glory be to Christ. If it's not all glory be to Christ in your life, then all you have to say is that I was here and then I was gone. But if you're in Christ, you say, I was here, I'm gone, but I'm in Christ forever. But if it's not true, we hope only in this life. And and we're seeing that if we hope only in this life, life's going to have its disappointments. We're facing disappointment right now. We're facing struggle right now. This virus may have not hit your home. It may have not hit your work, but it has for many. And it's hit for many in our local church and especially in our town. And you're saying, 
disappointed. I'm, I'm hurt. I'm frustrated. There's got to be something more. And yet, indeed, Christ has come to meet your needs if you will only trust in the resurrection. But if the resurrection is not true, then, then here it is. And, and here's what Paul also says. Christians are most to be pitied. Get that. That us meeting today, us striving together, us living our life for Christ, we're the ones to be pitied. Because it's just a lie. You're saying, wow, Brian, that, there's hope in there, but yet we're talking about death. And, and, and you were thinking, hey, I was, I was hoping we would only be talking about life today. But for us to understand and have a great appreciation for the resurrected life, we have to be reminded that there is a true and certain death. But we as Christians do not have to fear death. Paul continues in, in verse 20 uh, through 28. Let me read that for us. He says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God, the Father, after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he is expected to put all things in subjection under him. When all things are subjected to him, then the son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him. God may be all in all also says, but in fact christ has been raised from the dead the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep now i would be making a mistake if i were to say see paul says that's a fact right here that would be bad exegesis on my part as we're breaking down the scriptures today uh, paul would indeed say the resurrection is a fact that's his whole argument here but when he says but in fact what he means by that is he's saying now 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 christ has been raised from the dead we've said all of this what if he hasn't now listen he has been raised from the dead death was then the the old nature that all we had uh, going for us was sin and death but life is now which means we begin to live the eternal life by knowing god being his servants and having a, a joyful loving kind master over us in jesus christ here on this earth as we walk in christ and then as we meet our death yet we will live forever with him it is it is now it is happening how do we know this because christ is our evidence uh, scripture says he's the first fruits of a new crop uh, i love that because when paul's addressing the galatians in in the book of galatians he writes to them and he reminds them that Abraham's seed, in which there's the promise of salvation, Abraham's seed is Christ, the, the offspring. It's not offsprings of many people. The offspring that Abraham was promised is Christ. Christ is the offspring, bring, bring, bringing many nations, many people together. That's good news. And he's the seed. And so when a seed goes into the ground, it dies, it germinates, boom, it creates life. 
and it creates fruit. And Christ is the first fruits coming forth from the tomb. What we have is the best fruit. Isn't that interesting that the problem in the beginning was fruit, taking a fruit which was forbidden, but yet the problem is resolved. There is a remedy by receiving a true and better fruit that in Christ Jesus, he has come forth from the grave, come forth from the ground. He is the true fruit. And what do you do with your first fruits? You offer it to God. And where is Christ right now? He is at the right hand of God, the Father. Exodus 23, 19 uh, reminds us of the first fruits. The best of the first fruits of your ground you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. Leviticus 23, 10, speak to the people of Israel and say to them, when you come into the land that I give you and reap its harvest, you shall bring the sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. This is a reminder that this first fruits that has come forth from the tomb is God's work. God raised his son from the dead. Christ is victorious over death. He brings something that is new. And if he is the first fruits, then that means there is fruit to follow. What do we understand by verse 21? By a man, Adam, came death. And by a man, Jesus, has also come the resurrection of the dead. And Adam, all died. But in Christ, all made alive. And we understand that as in the whole and totality of Scripture, that everyone who is placing faith and trust in Christ will live. Those who reject Christ will remain in the first Adam and will die and face judgment for all of eternity. Verse 23, but we see that as the first fruits has gone forth and other fruit to follow, there is an order in this. There is an order to this true gospel story. Let us celebrate it today, this great order. One, Christ is first. He's the first fruits coming forth from the tomb, meaning that because Christ rose from the grave, we too will rise. This is how he meets our calamities. This is how he meets our sickness. This is how he meets our worries and our struggles and our frustrations, and our doubts, and our fears is how he meets death. All of these things that we fear, we don't have to fear, because Christ has risen. He is alive, and he's alive forevermore, and because he's alive forevermore, we too are alive forevermore with him. So Christ is first. Whereas Adam led the way towards death, Christ leads the way in the resurrection. And following then those who belong to Christ, all of those who have placed faith in Jesus, who know that this story is indeed not fiction, but true. They belong to Christ and we will rise with him when he returns for us. And then comes the end. What happens after we rise? Then comes the end. When he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. I love that. What is the kingdom? It's, it's one uh, brick being laid upon another, one stone upon another, one believer upon another. He's, he's bringing together his kingdom that he presents to the Father. And he reigns over all authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. And all enemies will be crushed by Jesus. And last, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. So when we gather at gravesides, it stings, it's painful, it hurts. When we hear the news of people dying of the coronavirus, it's painful, of, of any death, it's painful. 
death still carries a sting to it. But one day, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Death will sting no more. So even in the midst of the sting, we still have hope. But know that one day, we'll no longer face the sting. And so for Christians, I encourage you with this message today. I want to remind you that Christ has risen as we see it in the scriptures. We have no fear of death. We can be bold. We can be courageous. We can be steadfast because we have a genuine faith. This faith is true in Christ Jesus. But what has been revealed maybe in these days in your life? I'll tell you what's been revealed in my own life. And I feel it's only appropriate to be transparent with you when it comes to examples. Um, maybe the idol of safety and comfort. And you say, Brian, there's nothing wrong with being safe and enjoying comfort. And I'm with you. There's, there's not. But when we make it an idol, there's a problem. Which means when we put that above God's will for our lives, what he's called us to do and to go forth and make disciples. When we would rather be just safe when we would rather just be in comfort, uh, those things need to come crashing down if they're idols. Any idol put before God needs to be smashed. Maybe in the midst of this, God's doing that for many Christians. For our idol with safety and comfort, pleasure, meaning that we put those things over worshiping God. May they come crashing down, but, but don't fear because you'll be left standing upon the rock of Jesus Christ if your faith is in him. Maybe before all of this, you said, I'm just not called to, to missions. I'm not called to go make disciples like everyone else. But indeed, you are if you're a follower of Christ. None of us are the exception to the rule. We take the good news of the gospel and we go and we share it. Understand that we don't live the gospel. The gospel's already been lived out when Jesus came and lived for us. A perfect life, well-pleasing to the Father. And then he went to the cross and he died on the cross for our sins, making atonement for our sins, paying for our sins at the cross and saying that it is finished. And he died and then he rose from the grave after being in the grave for three days. And yet he will return for us. This is the gospel at hand. The gospel could only be accomplished by Jesus. What do we do with the gospel? We spread it. We tell everyone the good news. And may we do that in these days. Those who are closest to us, I was talking with somebody the other day, they said, what, what do I do? How, how do I share the gospel now that I just can't go about? Now I want to. I have a desire to share the gospel more. And you go, who are your neighbors? Who's your family? Who has God put right around you? Who are those closest to you? You can pick up a phone, call somebody you've been meaning to reach out to. Maybe God's working in their hearts right now. You go forth and you share the gospel with them. But any items that we have put before God, may they come crashing down so that our faith will be in him. Our hope will be fully in him, that no matter what we face, no matter how safe we take it, you can still get sick and eventually we'll die. That doesn't mean we live careless lives. Eat, drink for tomorrow, we die. No, we, we have a purpose. We're wise, but we're not fearful. So remember, an idol is anything that we put before God. And may they be cast down and may Christ Jesus be most high in our life. So Christ is risen. This is the true story. Because it is true, it means that our faith is filled with good fruit. That we produce fruit every day for the glory of God. May we be fruitful trees of righteousness planted by the streams 
for the glory of God. It means that sin no longer reigns over the redeemed, which means we don't have to be filled with fear and worry because we have the hope of Christ Jesus. Sin is what leads us to staying up at night and fretting and being uh, fearful of what may happen next. But not when we have Christ Jesus. We can rest in the evenings. We can lay our head down on the pillow. And when we wake up in the morning, we can go about our day in confidence because sin no longer reigns over the redeemed. And we have been made good forever. We're not just perished goods. No, we've been made good by Christ Jesus. We are righteous because he is righteous. And we will last forever, Christians. Hear that. We'll last forever. And we have a hope in this life and continued life beyond this present earth. We live forever. And Christians are, are not the ones to be pitied. If this is true, those who are to be pitied, our hearts break for those who reject Christ. And so I implore you on behalf of Christ Jesus to look to Christ and be saved. Trust in him and be set apart for all of eternity to worship and glorify God and have fellowship with him. Would you trust in Jesus today by admitting that you have sinned against him? You have rebelled against him as all of us have in the first Adam. And would you put your faith and trust in the, in the new and better Adam, the, the second Adam, the last Adam to come, that being Jesus Christ, and say, save me, Lord Jesus. Trust that you die for my sins, reign in my life. The resurrection is indeed true. It is a fact. Place your faith and trust in Christ today and be saved on Easter. What a wonderful time. So some of you may be wondering, okay. I get it. There's all of these things that are happening, but if Christ is going to return, when is he going to return? And why such patience? Why is he taking such a long time? Understand this, that his patience is for our repentance. Be thankful that God is patiently waiting and that Christ will come at the right time. Because that means that we have an opportunity to repent. Now there will not be a chance to repent as we stand before Holy God. So repent now and trust in Jesus so that on the day of judgment, after death, and as you go before the Lord in judgment, that you will be able to stand the confidence of Jesus Christ. Your hope, your plea will be the blood of Jesus Christ shed for you. And that Christ is risen and that you too will rise in victory. The first advent has already been inaugurated. Christ has come. We, we saw that last week when Christ came into the city of Jerusalem, riding on a small colt. He came, he accomplished the work of the Father. First advent has already been inaugurated. The second advent will bring forth the consummation as Christ will return. So this is our hope today, it is a hope that is not foolish. It is a hope that does not fade. It is a hope that will last until Christ returns. And no longer will we just live in hope. We will then live in the reality that Christ has come again. And we will reign with him. Glory be to God that Christ has risen. He has risen indeed. Bring all of your troubles. Bring all of your challenges. Bring all of your doubts to the cross. Look to Jesus Christ today, be saved. If you're a follower of Christ, be comforted today by this good news and go and live in the confidence of Jesus Christ. Walk in strength. 
be hopeful. And again, may we rejoice all throughout this day, but not just this day, but every day that God gives us as a gift, that the resurrection story is indeed true. I love you. Thank you so much for um, listening today. And I'm sure being attentive, and I know there are many challenges when you're in the home and following through a service online. But thank you. Uh, we love you dearly. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions, um, feel free to email us. Uh, you can go to our website and you can email me at Brian, B R I A N, at perimeterroad.com. You have any questions? Anything we can pray for you about? Our pastors, our staff, we love you. Uh, we look forward to seeing you face-to-face -face again, hopefully soon. But in the meantime, reach out to us, and we want to hear from you. If, if you've been listening today and you're saying, I'm placing faith in trusting Christ, please reach out to us. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can comment below even if, if you're comfortable doing that. But we want to walk alongside you, and praise be to God for the great work he has done in your life. At this time, let us pray, and then we will continue forward uh, in our time together. Father, thank you. Uh, for this Resurrection Sunday, we trust in a true story. We thank you that Christ is risen. And as Paul was preaching to the Corinthians, Lord, we have proclaimed it once again today that this is our confidence. Because Christ is risen, we too will rise. We are not to fear anything on this earth, especially death. Lord, may we be wise. May we be loving. May we be caring. May we be confident. May we be true. May we be genuine. And Father, I pray that we would take hold of each and every day that you give us as a gift. But may we take true joy and hope in what Christ has accomplished for us and that Christ will return again. He is risen. He's coming back again. And we know that he will return soon. And so may we live with purpose and may that purpose be to glorify you, make much of you, and spread the name of Jesus Christ in everything that we do. We love you. I ask that this has brought comfort and strength to us today as the church and that we would be bold in the faith as we leave from this time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.